If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Which is one of the most incredibly difficult finger people is the solo. <laughs> while, the, while the hand is still playing the boom, doo, doo, doo. And I'm like, fuck you, you're a porn director. You don't know how to play that shit. Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. Anyone who thinks they can outyell me had better think again. All right, everybody, this is Recotopia, episode 32. I'm Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. Today's big recommend is Kung Fu Hustle. And uh, look at all you beautiful people commenting over there. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming in and watching us today on the Tuesday. Uh, We got uh, YouTube and Twitch rolling on the comments there. Mostly Twitch. It's it's, it's, uh, it's just weird to me. I don't know why that's weird to me. Maybe it's because I'm old. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, hey, do you have any uh, small recommends? It's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. I got two, and I'm actually really excited about both of these, which kind mm-hmm. of hints that I'm not normally excited about them, but that's mm-hmm. not what I mean. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The first one is on Netflix. Uh, it's called Do Revenge, um, and it's Whoa. very new. And I describe this movie as Mean Girls meets euphoria with strangers on a train thrown in maybe Uh, some heathers maybe maybe maybe. some heathers yeah um and it's a very modern spin on those kinds of movies there are several beats that i think you're supposed to anticipate certain things and then you get other things uh but the setup um the, the strangers on a train portion is the setup, which is mm-hmm. that you have a girl at the end of the school year who has sent a naked video to her boyfriend, who's the most popular kid in school. And then the next day that video has been disseminated amongst all the students. Oh, um, and she's humiliated. Then we go to the summer and uh, she meets uh, Maya Hawk, Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawk's uh, mm-hmm. daughter, who mm-hmm. is Uma Thurman reincarnated even though she's not dead yet Mm -hmm. if you watch this movie you will have a hard time it looks like they deep faked uma thurman onto (laughs) maya hawk's body yeah they say uh i was talking about this uh, uh, a while back when stranger when she got on stranger things is that oh yeah she looks like the exact like it's uma thurman but also ethan hawk like there's like it's the exact combination of those two people yeah, it's really eerie. Um, yeah. She's a great actress. Uh, mm-hmm. They meet at this tennis club uh, where they both uh, hang out and or work. And, you know, Maya Hawk befriends her and basically says, hey, you know, I didn't watch the tape for whatever it's worth. And they have this awkward kind of encounter. Um, she eventually tells her one of the girls who helped spread the tape. Uh, and then our main character, Drea, is able to get revenge on that girl in spectacular fashion. And that girl's played by Sophie Turner in a mm. really, really fun, almost cameo. Nice. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller is the headmaster of the school, by the way. Oh, that's um, sweet. Um, and so they go back to school the next year and they're at this assembly. And one of the things you've learned through their budding friendship is that Maya Hawk likes girls. And okay. at a camp seven years ago, she uh, told a girl how she had feelings for her, and that girl went and told the whole camp that she had pinned her down and tried to kiss her. 
and it turned her into a pariah and it scarred her ever since. And unfortunately, that girl goes to this school they're both about to attend this fall. Maya Hawk just moved here. So they both have awkward encounters on the first day. Um, Drea with the boyfriend who probably disseminated the sex tape himself, but it's not really known. And then Maya Hawk bumps into the girl from camp who had ruined her life. And they both end up in this bathroom while there's an assembly going on, licking their wounds, essentially. And they decide to do each other's revenge. Ah. Maya Hawk wants revenge on the girl who ruined her life at camp. Drea wants revenge on the boy who's the most popular kid in school, who's like saying things at the opening assembly like, you know, I feel, I feel really bad for whoever put this video out there. Um, we gotta be uh, allies, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, <clears throat> so they hatch a scheme uh, to do each other's revenge. And uh, that's really all I want to say from here. Uh, okay. Callie Ryder from Never Rarely, Sometimes Always uh, is in this movie. She plays the brother of the most popular kid in school. Just a, a great cast, uh, really crackling script. I really enjoyed it. It's like an 83 on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, so there's a chance it's not your cup of tea, but you know, I said Mean Girls, Strangers on a Train, and Euphoria. So mm -hmm. yeah, that sets the table pretty well, I think. Uh, and it's on Netflix. It's called Do Revenge. It's brand new. Two thumbs up from Jeremy. Well, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's right up my alley. I want to see that now, actually. I want to see that. Yeah, you're going to love it. Um, there's a, a plethora of uh, 4K steelbooks coming out, and I'm kind of a sucker for them. Much mm. like uh, Aaron Dicer is, who is behind the scenes here today. Uh, and uh, one of them that showed up uh, on my on my list was The Fog, John Carpenter's 1980 uh, film. Um and uh and uh it's it, a lot of times i get these steel books i'm like okay i'll watch this later or whatever this one i was like i haven't seen the fog in forever i'm gonna watch this now and uh john, the fog is not john carpenter's like best movie by any means it comes in the middle of a lot of like you consider good to great movies that he made uh during this period of time uh but uh it starts off with uh a, it's an old uh, uh uh, it's an old like bedtime or no, not bedtime story. It's an old like spook story told by John Houseman, who both of you, you and I remember as the Smith Barney guys. Yeah. Like they, you know, they uh, they earn money the old they they, they uh, yeah they make money the old fashioned way. They earn it. They earn um, it. And uh, he's in the Naked Gun, and uh, he's you know he's been in a bunch of billion things. But uh, he's telling this story about how this town was was uh was started or it's, it's just a horror story about this uh the ship that's coming in to the island and uh there's this fog that rolls in and the ship is attracted by this light and it turns out to be something false or something that's misleading or whatever and it ends up killing everybody uh on the uh on the boat and the, the, the story is that on the anniversary of this, a hundred years from now, there will, these, these people on the boat will come back to get their revenge on the people that killed them and everything. So we uh, are taken to uh, everyday life in this town, which is about to celebrate its 100th year anniversary, of course. Mm. And, uh, you know, you have, uh, I think it's Adrian Barbeau, who is the, uh, um, is it Adrian Barbeau? Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway she's a radio dj and she's talking about like it's a hundred years since this town was was uh was built we're gonna have a we're gonna have a big party and everything meanwhile there's a priest played by hal holbrook who is noticing that there's a diary that was written a hundred years ago one of his it's like his grandfather great-grandfather or whatever uh is writing all these entries in the in the book saying like he was plotting to kill these people, kill this one guy at, mm. at least or whatever. So it was, uh, you know, all in the name of God, he was being told to, to kill these people and everything. Mm. And so as, uh, as the movie promises, as the movie title promises, the fog comes in on the hundredth year anniversary and with it, uh, it seems to be some, uh, some, some ghosts. They're knocking on doors. If you, if you open up the door, you instantly get killed by Ooh. whatever's on the outside some people are, are lucky enough not to open the doors 
but it's fun just watch this is an old style john carpenter movie it's this there's a all these people that you get to know during it jamie lee curtis makes a return john carpenter trip in this one hmm. she is uh featured on this artwork um there is uh just a, just getting to know all these people in this town as it goes along it's really just it's really fun and interesting i've i, I haven't I, you don't see movies like this much anymore and yes there is a horror element that's going to come in as it gets to the midway to the midway point or whatever and it's and it's and it's totally fine but i really liked all the first half of it better than mm. the actual horror stuff the horror stuff is fine the horror stuff is you know is what to be is, is what to be expected but i really really enjoyed this i don't think i enjoyed it as much when i first watched it way back in the day which was probably in the 90s or something like that mm. uh but now that it's gotten this 4k steelbook and everything um it's uh it's something that i think that uh, people should uh take a take a look at this is a really fun and interesting horror movie i think you would really like this by the way Jeremy. interesting i actually think i saw the one with the kid from smallville <laughs> yeah there was a there was a tom welling maggie grace version that came out in guess what 2005 uh that uh, is awful and it has a 3.7 on the imdb uh, which is extremely low. That is below the floor kind of rating. It is a bad, bad movie. So yeah, they tried to remake this in 2005. It wasn't very good at all. Um, but uh, but this one, um, this one, I think I think most people would enjoy this for sure. <clears throat> Excellent. All right. I have not seen it. I will add it to my list. I do love mm. that Seinfeld episode where Jerry gets hockey tickets from Alec Berg and he says, he's got a great John Hossman name, Alec Berg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my second small recommend for this week is a chess movie called Pawn Sacrifice. Mm. Uh, this came out in 2014. It stars Tobey Maguire. This actually has a great cast. Let me tell you who all's in it. Tobey Maguire, Liam Schreiber, Peter Sarsgaard, Lily Royob, Michael Stolberg. Um, <clears throat> And more. Uh, mm, this is mm. uh, basically about a true story when Bobby Fischer returned from obscurity and played a couple matches in California against some Russians. Uh, and that led to uh, him being uh, in a tournament against uh, Boris Spassky, who was mm. the greatest chess player in the world at this time. That's who Liev Schreiber's playing. Um, <clears throat> and Bobby Fisher is a complicated dude, man. Mm -hmm. um, there was never an official diagnosis, but it is believed that he was maybe schizophrenic, uh, maybe had a personality disorder, uh, maybe had Asperger's. There's all sorts of speculation because he was extremely erratic and extremely paranoid um, and just a very, very difficult person. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard plays this priest who years ago beat Bobby Fischer um, when he was a, a competitive chess player. Mm. And that's who Bobby Fischer decides to make his second, which is basically his coach, his sparring partner in chess. Mm -hmm. And he has the patience of an oak tree to deal with Bobby Fischer. His, he's completely paranoid about everything. They're bugging mm. my phones. They're spying on me everywhere I go. Uh, there's too much noise in the room where we're playing chess. He ends up playing the most famous game of chess ever played, game six of this tournament, in a ping pong room um, in the building they were originally going to have the tournament in because that was the quietest room Bobby could find. And they had to televise it with a camera that had to be a certain distance away from Bobby because he didn't want to hear it. Just extremely eccentric, but one of the most gifted chess players of all time. And I think one of the movie's messages is it, if you're really, really, really great at chess, it will probably drive you insane. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, he makes moves that he's never made before in this game six uh, to the point where uh, once Spassky realizes that he's going to lose, he stands up and applauds Bobby Fischer. <laughs> and this really fucking happened. Mm -hmm. This is real. A mm -hmm. grandmaster applauding an American dickhead who just beat him because his chest was so lyrical and beautiful. Uh, this is an Ed Zwick movie. Uh, oh, which should nice. give you some confidence because he's solid. Uh, it didn't make much money, but it made more than its... Uh, no, wait, it made a third of its budget. So it lost money. Uh, it's on Hulu. If you have a premium subscription, it's on 8 Max with a regular subscription. The acting is really the reason to watch here. 
Um, but I do think some of the chess is relatively authentic because they're dealing with real matches that were televised and yeah. people all over the world watch. So I've, I was, I've watched it twice in the last week. I really liked it. There are a lot of movies about Bobby Fischer. I mean, the guy yeah. is, I mean, yeah, not, not, uh, not someone to celebrate outside of his chess achievements uh, and everything, but uh, there are a lot of, he's a fascinating person to like make movies about and everything. Uh, by the way, Eights over here talks about a person who claimed someone was cheating or whatever. This was uh, just uh, Magnus week. Magnus Carlson, who was the the guy who who uh, went to play a match with this one guy. There was a big cheating kerfluffle a couple weeks ago, and the the first guy made a move. Magnus Carlson made a move. Then he turned off his camera and didn't say anything and left. Yep. And the announcers were like. What just happened? Yeah. Did, wait, wait, did he just leave? Did he just leave? And he's basically just protesting that this guy basically, is yeah, this saying up. this guy has to be um, cheating. Uh, so, uh, so also, anyway, I should note uh, just for those of you who might be triggered, or just to set the record straight, Bobby Fischer was Jewish, but he was a noted anti-Semite. Mm -hmm. um, and the movie only briefly touches on this by showing him listening to inflammatory radio programming a couple times, mm -hmm. but it dodges having him do any of that overtly and part of the reason is i don't think that's the part of bobby fisher's life that they're trying to tell a story about yeah, but yeah it is yeah. a factual thing complicated freaking dude um, um but great movie uh shireen by the way says how would you rate it compared to compared to queen's queen's gambit now i haven't seen pawn sacrifice and i don't think you've seen queen's gambit you're correct uh, so i don't know if there's a way for us to say but i really loved queen's gambit i generally like chess movies yeah. uh searching for bobby fisher is a great movie and yep. the way you talk about this one i know i would love pawn sacrifice yeah but queen's gambit is is a kind of a different animal i i would just because I've seen enough about Bobby Fischer, I'd probably, even though I haven't seen Pawn Sacrifice, I would bet Queen's Gambit is maybe a little bit better than this. Because probably of, is. But, but still, uh, doesn't mean that I don't want to watch this. So, yeah. Um, um, so there you go. Yeah. Please check it out. Yeah. Uh, next one, I went ahead and I watched, I was kind of, I was going to recommend something else, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I can give it the full, the full on recommend. So, I went. I went ahead and watched uh, another another Criterion movie. Rewatched another Criterion movie. Uh, one of an all timers. It's Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal. Oh wow! Um, uh, starring Max von Sydow uh, as this uh, knight from the Crusades. And uh, I saw this movie a long time ago and didn't understand it. Didn't understand what it was going for. Uh, and it's still a little bit on a, it's a little bit on the cryptic side, but I understood it more this time because I'm just older now. I think I tried to watch this when I was 19 or something. And I was like, what, I don't know. What, what am I watching here? Uh, but it's a, it's about a knight who's coming back from the crusades and he's, he finds this town is, is, uh, uh, is inflicted with the black plague. Mm. And, uh, just before he hits this town, death in, in, Corporeal, corporeal form or whatever you have corporeal corporeal. Um, corporeal there you go corporeal form um shows up to him on a beach and says it's it's time it's time for you to it's time for you to go and he and and uh, max von Cito says well can't i can't i do something about this and death's like no you, you can't do anything about this well, what about this <laughs> speaking we're about to talk about chess again He's like, uh, what, what if we, what if we play a game of chess and get a little reprieve and death is intrigued. He says, yeah, why don't we play some chess? That'll be <laughs> great. So they, so they start playing this game and before you know it, like it's the game doesn't continue. It's just him and his squire on a horse riding and riding towards this town. And you're like, oh, well, he was playing chess a minute ago. Now they're okay. They're going to this town. Um, so they go into the town and they find out that, uh, you know, there's a black plague is going around and the religious fervor going around the town, mm. uh, has become extremely, um, abusive. Uh, the, there are people who believe that God sent this plague to the town and that people with the plague need to be whipped and they need to be punished because it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, basically god punishing you already so i don't know why they need more punishment but anyway uh he's finding out that that's what's going on 
And uh, meanwhile, death will, will, will creep back in here and there. There's even a point where Max von Sito is talking to somebody he thinks is a priest. And he says, I ran into death out there in the, on the beach and I, uh, and I, uh, I'm, I'm playing him in chess and I've got this great strategy that I'm using against him. And you find out the priest is death listening the whole time. Oh. And, and, um, the, the movie follows a whole other, uh, set of characters too. these actors, this traveling troop of actors who go around, uh, one of them is a married couple with a child. One of the actors sees visions. He sees Mary and the baby Jesus walking out. He tells his wife about it. His wife is like, oh, you know, I don't know whether to believe you or not. We don't know whether to believe him or not until he sees later on in the movie, he sees Max von Sydow playing chess with death and she only sees max von Cito, no death and uh so there's a lot of like little cool things like that there's all these uh stories going on and the movie has a lot of different themes and i honestly will still need to watch it again because there's so many things that you can interpret into this movie but uh there's one moment where they're burning a witch in the movie and uh uh, Max von Sydow says something to the effect of who's in charge of this? Is this, is this God? Is this Satan? Is this just nothingness? Is this, you know, what is this? What, who's in charge of this? Like who's had, he's coming to terms with whether or not he should believe in God yet. He believes in God. So hmm. he's having this truck. He's having this struggle all the way through the movie uh, where he's like, I don't want to feel like there's a God here when I'm seeing all of this that I have seen. Mm. But now that I, now that I, if there is one, do I really want to deal with this kind of, this, this is something that a God could do. And if it's Satan, do I really, I mean, you know, this, he's going back and forth on this and it's, uh, there's a reason why this movie is, is an all timer, right? Like mm. it's one of those movies that makes you think a lot about religion and, and uh the 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 bad effects of it a lot of times there are there are moments of good as well in here but it really makes you consider good and evil who's in charge why why do i believe what do i believe what why do i believe what i believe such and so forth um if you've never seen the seventh seal it sounds like a movie that's five hours long it's an hour and a half it's an hour (laughs) and a half so sold yeah it does sound like a five-hour movie but i'm glad to know Mm -hmm. it's not Mm -hmm. yeah somebody asked if bill and ted was in this no that is bill and ted's bogus journey that's the movie you're thinking of yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so anyway um so we're on to the big recommend brain fog insomnia moodiness weight gain maybe you think they're just part of getting older but mini health understands that for women over 40 they can all connect to menopause it's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience not just hot flashes MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Um, so... I, I kind of, I, there was a, this is a movie that I have in my Blu-ray collection and I run a, like I'll run across it from time to time and it was still in its cellophane. Mm. And I was like, this is a movie I know I want to see again. And uh, it was about four or five weeks ago. I was thinking this would be a good one to, to put on the big recommend stage. And, and so it was a great opportunity to break that, movie open and rewatch and i love kung fu hustle a lot i love kung fu hustle this is this is right up my alley this is this is like you know this is airplane inspired this is these type of movies um now i think that if you are well versed and i am i am not if you are well versed in the old hong kong martial arts movies you're going to find even more layers to this than i did Mm, Um, for sure because there are so many different references to other things that that i've never seen that i had to look up later 
that I was like, oh, okay, God, they're he's really doing a lot of references here in this movie. But um, but uh but it's a it's the the movie instantly sucked me in back in the day when we were, you know, when I was working in movie theaters. Uh when <laughs> the main guy played by Stephen Chow comes into this town uh called Pigsty Alley. And uh and uh he's he wants to become part of this giant gangster organization the axe gang he wants to be a part of them because he feels like they have the best lives you know they're the ones who get the women and they're the ones who get the money and so on and so forth all those things that scarface used to say um <laughs> and uh and uh so uh he comes in and and he tries to scam this guy who's 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 uh cut his friend's hair and he's like you made it look too good and yeah. and everything <laughs> And, uh, and tries to, tries to cheat him out of the money and, and all that. And, um, and, uh, so eventually he ends up like, he ends up like picking on as everybody in the crowd, he thinks is weaker than him to prove a point. Like he's going to fight them or whatever. And every time he picks on somebody, it turns out that they have these physical features that he did not see that were in the crowd. So like one, he picks on a guy who's like, He's like that guy's short or whatever, and the guy stands up and he's like eight <laughs> feet tall. And then, I wasn't pointing at you. Yeah, and then and then he then he points out somebody in the crowd who looks weak, and then he comes out and the guy's like got a normal face, but like this giant amount of muscles on his torso and everything. And then he picks on a kid, and the kid comes out with this giant like like working out body and everything, <laughs> and um and so he um. Uh, at, at some point there's a uh the uh he tries to shoot some fireworks or something like that and it hits one of the it hits the axe gang the actual axe gang is walking past the town uh this shoots some sort of signal or something whatever it's like it's if you're in trouble or whatever you can shoot these fireworks or something like that yeah and the axe gang comes running <clears throat> yeah and the axe gang gets gets hit by it i think they get hit by the fireworks and they come in and uh, they want to start some trouble, but then they find out that this town is filled with badasses and, and it, and it's a crazy amount of badasses. Um, and so it, it, it track, this town attracts the attention of the entire ax gang who now want to like hire, hire killers to come in and like wipe them out and all this stuff. Uh, just a, a tremendous amount of characters in here. You'll notice, uh, like the, the, at the forefront of this, I wouldn't even know if you would call them heroes, but the landlord and landlady of this, of this, of this, uh, slum or whatever, they're not really good people, all not really good people. The, the landlord is constantly flirting with every girl that's in the town and like, is, is you know, uh he's getting free a, meals yeah getting free meals and all that and the the landlady herself is a is a is an old crank always has a cigarette dangling from her lips um but they obviously have some hidden powers because the landlady can run like roadrunner essentially yeah. uh and and we don't know exactly what the landlord can do until much later in the movie but uh but uh it, the when, after the first beatdown that happens in this, the the axe gang hires these harp. It's it's some, there's an actual Chinese word for whatever they're playing that that those two guys oh, are playing, but okay. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, and uh, they it's uh it but whatever they do, they hit these strings, they strum these strings, and these swords come out or whatever they want to come out spears all sorts of different things come out when they're playing the skeleton thing. armies at one point yeah skeleton <laughs> army um and uh and uh they and the the three true badasses of the town aside from the landlord and landlady there's like a is the the guy there's three shop owners basically and they all have different styles of of kung fu that they know and um and so they take these guys on in this big huge uh thing and then eventually later the landlord and landlady get into it um meanwhile our main character played by stephen chow is still trying to figure out how to get into this axe gang at some point he gets he gets uh taken by them and like handcuffed or whatever but he's able to pick the lock and because he's such a great lock picker they think there might be some future for him 
Um, and, uh, and, uh, when he gets out, he wants to get revenge on the people of the town and everything. And that, uh, comically goes awry because he tries to throw all these knives at the landlady. And oh my one, God. All of them end up in his own body by the time it's over. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, uh, and then he gets, uh, to, to go off the heel, he goes into some sort of traffic light. I don't not it's a 1930s like Chinese traffic light so yeah. I don't know exactly what it is but he's in this box and uh all of a sudden you start seeing like him hit, like hitting the box the box there's like these impressions of his palms just keep showing up on this thing meaning like oh he's he's not only well he might actually have some badassery that we didn't know about and uh and he like right after that scene it shows his buddy and he's like and then and the buddy turns around turns turns and Stephen Chow's just sitting there and he goes what are you doing here <laughs> you know like the, we don't even hear the story of how he got out of this traffic light or how he healed or anything but the kid the the, the friend says you've always healed more than, better than i have quicker than i have so it's weird um but uh uh he uh he also has this side story with this girl this girl's who's a who's a mute who uh, is at the who sells uh was it hot dogs what is it she sells i can't remember she has a lollipop for sure in there um uh I know, but i don't know what she sells i can't remember what it was but um he he has this thing going on that is really the only person he's successfully robbing the entire movie is is this mute girl who he he robs from a couple of times, but then we find out they have an even more complicated history that she was a little girl that was being picked on by a bunch of bullies and he tried to intervene and he got his ass kicked and he even got peed on and all this mm -hmm. other stuff. Um, and uh, and uh, she saved the lollipop from that encounter and then gives it to him and then he smashes it in, in a heartbreaking scene. Um but uh, we're we slowly find out that this guy, as as kooky as he is all the way through, does maybe actually have some powers and it those powers just need to get unlocked. And that's what happens later on once the axe gang hires the beast mm -hmm. and there's a fun uh, the, the beast is in jail and there's a fun escape sequence, a, a fun uh, jailbreak sequence, including a shining parody uh, <laughs> in it um and uh and uh, uh he he breaks this guy out the beast who doesn't look like much he's a he's an old guy uh it doesn't look like he has any powers they think they got the wrong guy for a while there uh until finally they're like prove that you've got these powers and and at some point you start seeing little inklings that yeah he may actually be this badass and everything and finally full-blown badass he doesn't seem like he can get hurt He's got all the moves and he runs into the landlord and landlady. And there's this big, huge fight in the kitchen where they're like giving it all they got, but like every punch just kind of like, kind of like just molds his face a little bit and then comes back. It doesn't do anything. Um, and, uh, it, there's all sorts of stuff going on in this movie. It's just, I, I keep thinking like, I've probably missed a few things in this. There's just going all over the place, but the action is so fun. It's so funny. There's so many things that are just hilarious in this movie. Um, it's, it's obviously got a huge, like, uh, respect and, and, uh, love of old Hong Kong martial arts movies. Uh, and it even stars people who were in some of those movies. The guy who mm. plays the beast is, uh, it was apparently like right under Jackie Chan, like Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan. And this guy who we don't know in the States that much, wow. I think it's Lung Sin Lung is his name. Um, uh, this guy, this guy did a lot. The guy who plays the landlord was Bruce, Bruce Lee's stunt double for a long time. Oh, wow. Uh, the girl, the woman who plays the landlady has been in a bunch of movies here in the States. We apparently don't know her much except for the man with the golden gun, James Bond oh. movie. Wow. Um, has a scene in that. Um, uh, but, uh, but just, and, she, and just as an aside, she was hired based on somebody else's audition tape. There was an audition tape of, of this woman and, and in the background is, is uh, this woman who plays the landlady. 
and uh Stephen chow was watching this video and goes who's that who's oh, that wow. woman and that's who i want in the oh, movie wow. and that's how she got in the movie so that's crazy anyway kung fu hustle a whole lot of fun i hope you had as much fun okay so confession time uh-oh i had never seen this movie before today oh okay my brain re rewired its circuitry to to think this movie was kung pao enter the fist oh okay which i have seen once back in the day it was a steve Odekirk, it being maybe. a very silly um kung fu parody airplane type movie that's what i thought we were watching mm-hmm. i've never seen this this movie is fucking rad mm-hmm. um it's it's unique in that it because it has so much respect for the classic kung fu movies uh the fight scenes are awesome. This is a mm-hmm. this is a comedy, but Yen Wu Ping is the supervisor of the fight choreography. That's yep. the guy who did the Matrix choreography. Yep. Um, and it shows because the fights are really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not it's not as airplaney as I was expecting. At least in the first thirty minutes, it does do some silly stuff toward the end, like when the 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 uh, landlady and landlord are like uh, uh, with good, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, and they yeah. just do all these cliche lines. Yeah. Um, but I was most blown away by um, the stringed instrument harp battle and how that mm-hmm. was visualized. Um, it reminded me in for different reasons of that music note fight in the multiverse of madness. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in that you know music is being used as a weapon at first they kill the they behead the first guy with a song he doesn't even get to fight um Mm -hmm. and then the second guy with the rings gets to fight and then you start seeing them strum and like these tips come out and the camera work is low to the ground and um i was blown away by this movie this will go immediately to the top of my favorite kung fu movies um there's just so much to like uh, especially the landlord and landlady, even though they're not good people, they are mm. far and away my favorite characters, uh, except for maybe the doofus buddy of Stephen Chow. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah, said yeah. stuff like, memories can be painful. It is a great blessing to forget. He's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, I didn't know you were so deep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was expecting a lot more slapstick, um, but there's a lot of subtle humor uh, there's mm-hmm. a lot of dialogue humor. I do wish they had subtitled all of the writing and signs. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because there's a lot of those in this movie, but I couldn't tell what any of them said. And the camera even will linger on them sometimes. Like even, well, anyway, um, I like how the stakes keep going up. You know, mm-hmm. the, the axe gang comes and the, turns out this town has three badasses who kick their ass. Well, they hire this guy who comes in and, well, it turns out the landlord and landlady are badasses. And then we get, we break out, beast who has a who has a toad mode (laughs) where where he turns into this toad with a like a bloated neck that like (laughs) shoots out chi around him or something um and then of course you have your main character who's just a low-life wannabe thug but who has these latent and the movie sets this up pretty well because the landlady says earlier on you either have it or you don't you're either born with it and it's like a one in a million chance mm-hmm. and then she sees something in him that makes her realize oh he has it mm-hmm. um and then he gets that buddha vision uh yeah. it just keeps escalating and escalating but you can watch this as a comedy or you can watch this as an action movie and it mm-hmm. is it works perfectly as both um I'm really, really glad that you uh, suggested this. My biggest laugh was when the townspeople are trying to say to the landlord and landlady, you have to train us. You have to teach us Kung Fu. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is the moment where she says you either have it or you don't. (laughs) One little punk kid who's like 13 goes, "Mm -hmm." does like the shittiest Kung Fu moves you've ever seen and goes, it is obvious that I am the chosen. He gets punched in the face. I laughed for five minutes at that moment. Oh God. Um, This will be a rewatch frequent for me. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's just, it's really, really good. I love how they took so much care with the action uh, and didn't just make funny jokes and and half-ass the action uh, yeah so that it can work on two levels there um there's yeah. um 
there are i mean there are of course a million different references in this and and a lot of the references I've, i haven't seen the movies movies for but there's a a great moment in the, once the landlord and landlady uh come after they after they beat the harpists they go and run into the axe gang car like they're just instantly there they're yeah not, they don't show them like Teleport. actually open a door or anything like that they're just in the back and she's in the back seat with her cigarette chilling and everything and she does this movement she does all these movements like cracks her knuckles and does all this stuff and wags her finger that's from way of the dragon that's a bruce lee movie mm. that they did that for they did a little homage for there's a part where the character of donut uh when he gets uh when he gets beaten or he's about to die he he uh tells the landlord what are you prepared to do which is a which is a parody of the untouchables yeah uh it's when malone is dying yeah. in the untouchables uh so there there are like a million different ones just to, to point out those two and you pointed out the spider-man one that they did yeah i i i, I if i'm not mistaken maybe maybe they may have translated that into other other things into other move into they other have. different languages and that may have been just the <laughs> the fun thing to translate it to in america was mm. to do that and uh, there there may be other references that other uh audiences uh may catch in other in in, in their version but there are there are, there i mean like this is one of those movies that makes me go, okay, Stephen Chow, I want to find that list of movies that you were influenced by. And I want to watch all of them because I just want it like, and then watch this again and then have an even deeper understanding of this movie. So. He's still making movies. What is he up to? I'm Googling uh, him right now. I don't know. Uh, he's, I think in this movie, he's like 42 and he's uh he's still making movies after this but i don't think he's made anything that has quite gotten to this i've heard rumblings of a sequel to this movie mm. Uh, mm. but i don't know if that's official or what so yeah it doesn't look like he's done much he's done a little bit of acting here and there and uh yeah he made he's made four movies since this Mm -hmm. uh, and i have never heard of any of them so. oh and he also references one of his other movies in this too was when the ki kids are kicking around the soccer ball and the ball goes oh. over to the one guy and he stomps on the soccer ball and he says no so no more soccer or something like that yeah that's a shaolin soccer thing so yeah uh, which is another by the way shaolin soccer is another movie that i'd like to rewatch of his and uh he's got a couple of others that are like this uh, before this so mm. i uh i i definitely want to see more of him as well so anyway i hope all of you guys out there loved kung fu hustle i'm very delighted that jeremy is all on board on this mm -hmm. one, so. Mm -hmm. so uh anyway. all right well now the task falls to me to select a double feature be very very quiet secret what secret a dirty little secret i tell you something i've never told anyone mm -hmm. which i have not alerted the producers to so there will probably not be an image on screen um hmm. i was almost certain i only watched this movie this morning um because <clears throat> i like to try and be as fresh as possible for these podcasts and after about 30 minutes i was almost certain it was going to be iron monkey um mm -hmm. <clears throat> which is another yen Ping choreographed comic kung fu action film um yeah. and it ultimately just the more kung fu hustle went on the more it felt like that was just too on the nose i don't, I don't like to be on the nose mm -hmm. the film also has visually several moments that reminded me of the matrix movies mm -hmm. particularly when he throws a bunch of suited guys up into the air yeah it uh, yeah. reminded me of that neo agent smith brawl and there are a lot of the one similarities to the character that Stephen Chow is playing mm -hmm. and he awakens at the end to finally beat. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Matrix was, you know, an influence here. Uh, but what I decided to zero in on for the double feature is um, the care that the movie took with the comedy and the action. Uh, and they didn't let the action look sloppy just because they were making a jokey movie. So my double feature is Game Night. Um, oh wow because wow. it's very funny <laughs> but they shot this movie like a big budget action film mm -hmm. uh and it shows and it pays off in several areas including that one shot one shot sequence where they're mm -hmm. running the fabergé egg through the house um and so that would be the theme of my double feature uh action comedies that care as much about the action as they do the comedy yeah um, and so i would go with game night <laughs> 
I love that pick. It's so offbeat from what you would normally think from here. And I like the, like what you've paired here Thank you. uh, as a, as a, and, and your reasoning behind it. So, uh, yeah, I, I can, I can get down with that. All right. Now this is even a mystery to me guys. Mm-hmm. There's what is, what is next week's homework going to be? So I'm going to give a little prep. The next week's homework is not currently on any streaming services. Mm-hmm. This will be a movie that you will have to pay $2.99 to rent on one of the streaming services like Amazon or YouTube. Uh, and I am I was actively researching before we started recording, and I'm going to continue when we're done, uh, on a way to for me to buy um, some rental credits that we can then maybe put on the Discord um, so that you know every now and then somebody who can't afford a rental for Recotopia episode upcoming uh, we'll be able to get one for free. So I'll mm. be working with the mods over on Discord once I figure that out to get that implemented. But all right, that sounds next amazing. Week's movie is the Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm accidentally uh, recommending two John Mahoney movies in a row. Yeah. Uh, after Eight Men Out, uh, but he's not the key player here. Uh, this is the Coen Brothers, 1994. Uh, Tim Robbins on his way up the stardom ladder. Uh, Paul Newman uh, already at the top. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a quirky-ass period piece uh, comedy where they basically install Tim Robbins as a puppet leader of this company that they can can then control. They're trying to tank the stock price because they have a scheme to make money. But Tim Robbins invents the hula hoop and starts making them mega dollars um lots of great quirky performances in here this is still my favorite coen brothers movie um i like 80 percent of their movies mm-hmm. so um maybe i will like this more than you um uh, but it is underseen under talked about um and uh you have jennifer jason lee giving an all-timer performance it's my favorite it's probably my favorite performance of that movie uh although she gets unfairly singled out by people who hate the movie so uh but i love it i love thank you jc davis for reminding me there is a trigger in this movie um so uh go to does the dog die read up on it um make sure that you know where it's coming in the film so that you can skip it um but um it's not my personal trigger there's a suicide in the film. Uh, mm-hmm. It's early and it's played for laughs. Um, it's not the kind of suicide that triggers me. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, it's there. We should warn you. Mm-hmm. So, there you go. Get off this merry-go-round. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it looks like it's on Google Play Movies and TV. It's $2.99 everywhere. Uh, so I'm going to try and get some YouTube codes to you guys. So some of you guys can watch this and join us next week. <clears throat> awesome. That'd be great. All right. So. Uh, let's do some questions. I think we have a few minutes for some questions. Right. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Um, <clears throat> take one of your top 10 favorite movies and replace the lead actor in a way that you think you would still love the movie as much. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, I was thinking about back to the future and I was wondering like, you know, do I want to recast it with somebody who was a back then uh, an actor like, you know, cause Eric Stoltz obviously was, uh, around, was, was almost, was almost Marty for a while, yeah. was Marty for a while. Uh, uh so it was, what did I want to think about actors from the eighties who were around Michael J. Fox's, uh, age. And then I decided, nah, let's just, let's just pretend like we're living in 2022 and, uh, and put in some, I, I, I went with Tom Holland for, uh, for Marty in back to the future. Nice. I think Tom Holland would be great um nice. he might i don't know if you would consider him too old these days but um which is weird uh but uh if if we were to kind of doing this where we're bending time and space tom holland when he was young enough to be high school he's still playing high school kids so yes. i mean uh so uh i think i think he would do a great job in a back to the future movie i think he's got all that that michael j foxness in him so interesting Interesting. Good answer. I want to interrupt this question because it looks like Slab is telling us that Hudsucker is available through Canopy, which is a U.S. library-based oh. uh, streaming service. Um, so uh, look for that there uh, also. Um, and my answer to this uh, question uh, would be uh, The Martian. Um, and everybody knows mm-hmm. how much I love that movie and Matt mm-hmm. Damon's 
awesome in it. But when you read that book, he's not written as a heartthrob. Like, I remember feeling like, I remember picturing Ed Snowden (laughs) as this guy in terms of what he might look like and how he might be analytical and think. Uh, So the first thing I thought of was Neil Patrick Harris, um, because the person has Mm, to also mm -hmm. be able to pull off not only the intelligence, but the sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I'm landing on Paul Rudd. Um, Yeah. Because I think Paul Rudd has a very everyman quality, uh, definitely can pull off the sarcasm, definitely can play intelligent. Uh, So yeah, The Martian with Paul Rudd would probably not lose any points for me. Mm -hmm. All right, another question. Aside from CinemaSins' work, when have you ever overanalyzed something in a movie or a TV show? Um, The Natural, almost any baseball movie, really, but... um, the natural has a lot of moments. Well, it's not, it's not as bad as other baseball movies, but it has a lot of moments where someone makes a swing that would not get that result. Um, and, and there's a scene, I don't know if you remember the natural enough to remember there's the, you know, he has this long slump when he's dating memo Paris played by Kim Basinger in the movie. And then Glenn close stands up in Wrigley and he hits a home run and, and so he gets back on track because Glenn Close is back in his life and everything. And so like the next day, there's this big slow motion uh, thing of him hitting another home run the next day. He's apparently hit four in this day because the broadcaster is like they go through all the whole all the broadcaster play by plays of all of his home runs. And on the last one, which is apparently this fourth one, he hits one and the ball, the ball goes straight up. I mean, it's not, there's no way it's a home run, but they, but they, everybody's looking at it. Like he just clocked it. And, uh, and, uh, and it just always bothered me. And, uh, and, uh, and then, you know, like Wesley Snipes in both major league and the fan, uh, the, the swings that he's taking, he's not a superstar. Uh, I mean, in major league, they make a little bit more realistic because they do make him a slap hitter, not a power hitter and everything. But yeah. even the times when he's doing the little, even those things, it's like hard to believe Wesley Snipes as a major like hitter of any sort, especially in the fan where they're trying to make him out to be like Barry Bonds or something like that. Um, so almost anything baseball, when I see, there's, there's a scene in the natural where somebody is like taking batting practice and he does this weird, like he, half cocks all the way back like this and then swings like this and it's like no no i mean you may have hit that but there's that wasn't you know that wasn't real come on the uh eight men out has several of those like the swing just doesn't doesn't uh, make sense for what the ball trajectory and everything but anyway yeah baseball movies that's that's the ones that i really like and you do that in football movies too like you're like no that that's not how you do that but whatever so yeah the anyway. sports movies are always especially if you're really into a, a certain sport like there are a couple of shots in hoosiers where the ball leaves their hands and then we cut to a shot of it going in and i'm like there's no way that fucking ball had the trajectory to go in the but you gotta that doesn't bother yeah. me so much but uh, mm-hmm. i play a lot of golf so bad golf in movies like <laughs> yeah al- almost all of happy gilmore oh yeah or in swingers, I bet you none of those fucking guys had ever played golf in their entire lives when they've mm-hmm. shot that golf scene because they look they look like fish out of water. Um, well, you know, and then they do obviously like not not they don't play very well because they're no, sitting that's there like <laughs> so. even their bad like even bad players will have like the right body set up like mm-hmm. it just they, they look like they'd never held a golf club in their life mm-hmm. and then. Yeah. Um, Bad piano playing always gets to oh, me. Oh, yeah. I took about eleven years of piano lessons. It's not, it's not easy to fake, uh, especially if you're not a musical person. This was why, like Ryan Gosling, straight up learned how to play that piece for La La Land because he knew he could, he wouldn't be able to fake it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, bad piano playing uh, yeah. always bothers me. Where you can tell, oh, this well, person and, they're and playing high a, notes, but their hands are all the way down here. That, <clears> is, that is a thing too. Like I don't notice it as much. I'm not a musician, but you guys who are musicians out there, every time we have there's musicians in a movie, you're like they're not playing that. They're not playing that at all. Now sometimes even me, not as a musician, will see something where it's like obviously you're not playing that because it's you'll see somebody drumming or something and they're just hitting like two like doing this and it's like and it's like no he's barely hitting it back there what is what are you doing i was watching that movie x 
uh, mm-hmm. that came out mm-hmm. recently. Yeah. And there's a scene in there. They're making a porno in a cabin mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like the 70s. I don't know when the fuck it is. Uh, and he plays a landslide by Fleetwood Mac, which is one of the most incredibly difficult finger peak plays, the solo, but do 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 while the hand is still playing the boom, do 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 And I'm like, fuck you, you're a porn director. You don't know how to play that shit. Uh, over on the comments, it looks like, uh, let's see, uh, Joseph says, field goals in movies specifically. Yes, field goals are always, seems like they're really bad. Uh, um, uh, jo- he, Joseph also says, Oh God, piano Casablanca is something that is a huge one where it caught me off guard. Mm, yeah. Josh says slang anachronisms always get me even in books. Like would a guy from the 1960s really use the word, but much because the thing was written in the nineties. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. You know, you'd be surprised though. Like how many of our slang terms came a long time ago? Like you're just you wouldn't believe it sometimes like yeah. you're like oh that's very modern phrase or whatever and then like and then you find out oh that originated in 1955 with blah 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 and you're like what the fuck <laughs> um. <laughs> all right uh let's do one more uh and then we'll uh, say goodbye um, all right what's a good movie line where the words themselves maybe aren't that interesting but the delivery of the line is uh, i have to remember what i wrote on this one go ahead I will uh, give you, uh, uh, I think it's funny. I, I'm constantly looking for similarities between Frasier, Friends, and Seinfeld, the trifecta of Jeremy's sitcom life. Uh, and Frasier and Seinfeld both have, uh, well, and Friends, all have episodes where there's an upstairs neighbor who's too loud. Mm-hmm. And on Frasier and, Fra- or Frasier and Seinfeld, it's both a rock band in both episodes. But on the Frasier episode... <laughs> The rock band has this song and they're so annoyed by it. But like by day three, they're they're zombie walking through the apartment going, uh, flesh is burning. No, 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 no. Because that's the song <laughs> these guys keep playing. And then at one point he's playing so loud and Frazier just loses his goddamn mind and says, mm-hmm. doesn't he have any time left for sex and drugs? <laughs> um, and it's just the delivery of that line just fucking kills me. It's a pretty good line. It's yeah. not a bad, the words are not meaningless, but his delivery is what sells it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, did you figure out what you, what you answered? I did. I thought you had another one. Um, uh, so yeah, in the big Lebowski, one of my favorite all time, moments is when john Turturro as the jesus comes up and says you know like you know like hey you made the you made the semifinals going up to uh, jeff bridges and john goodman he's like he made the semifinals dios mio man and he's like oh fuck you up uh we're gonna fuck you up and then <laughs> and then the dude says well you know maybe that's just like your opinion man this <laughs> just, just so, like this seems you know that's just like your opinion man um i love that all i just always love that because it's like he's i think in movies we're always expecting for them to come up with that 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 really witty retort and everything and then you have your hero here who's always smoking weed and everything and he's like hey man that's just like your opinion (laughs) um and then in the rock, Nicholas Cage going up to Sean Connery and saying, "What do we? What do you say we cut the chit chat a hole?" Um, <laughs> that's a that's a. I mean, you can probably go through Nicholas Cage's entire filmography. There's a there's a thing in Vampire's Kiss where he's talking to uh, uh, Mar- Maria Cachita Alonso or whatever, and he's like, "Am I getting through to you, Alma?" <laughs> he's like, he's just like all this weird just the way he acts and everything you can pretty much pick in almost any nicholas Cage. oh yeah anyway. he's got a lot of these lines so uh we got in the chat some martian love fuck you mars um mm-hmm. or it has mm-hmm. been three yeah, days since i one. have run out of ketchup um mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i'm gonna dip this potato in some crushed, <laughs> crushed vicodin and no one can stop <laughs> yep uh from pitch black looks clear character gets up gets attacked jumps back down you said it was clear i said it looks clear well how does it look now <laughs> looks clear <laughs> um so uh anyway guys uh that's gonna do it for today uh thank you so much for coming out and uh making the comments lively once again and uh, appreciate you very much uh next week is the hudsucker proxy i love this movie even though yeah. there's a lot of people in the world who don't but they're yeah. wrong so yeah they are you know yeah they are it's like our sin city 
<laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. All right. See you guys. See you next time. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the CinemaSins Discord at discord.gg slash CinemaSins or CinemaSins Twitter at CinemaSins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at CinemaSins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at CinemaSins.com. Welcome, one and all, to the live taping of Recotopia. Hey. I don't know. I decided to go big. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Might as well. This is the weird thing. I'm on a YouTube page, and it says, uh, give the gift of endless entertainment with YouTube gift codes, now available for purchase on Amazon. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is very strange. This is very weird. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be it's interesting to it would be interesting to see what you say about Monell's because that's where you they put you at a table and then other people sit at the t- table, and you all share the things. Yeah. So mm. <clears throat> mm. Uh, I get the idea behind that. That's probably the reason subconsciously that I've never actually gone. But they're always mm-hmm. high on the list of best brunches mm. in the city whenever I see. Food them. is great, uh, of course, but like it's it's a, it's a weird thing. I mean, you have to kind of no, you have to kind of, um, no. uh, have to kind of uh, yeah, be okay with a lot of uh, mixed company and people talking about things maybe you don't want to talk about. And Let's talk so about on your so on. Uh, we, uh, this the my last trip to Monell's, which was in 2016, made me realize that Donald Trump was going to be president. Oh wow! Oh, because the people not, you were seated not, with, not because of it was just one person. Weirdly, oh. Oh. just one person. Um, I was sitting at Monell's with this bunch of musicians who were it was either Branford Marsalis or Win, Winston Winford Winston Win, what's his brother's name I can't remember uh Winston, Winston. Marsalis Winston, Winston Marsalis so either it's one of the Marsalis brothers they were musicians backup musicians for that guy oh wow sitting at my table and some other dude who's like a bus driver tour tour guy or whatever <laughs> sitting there and there was a discussion about the uh, like presidential race, and I think this was before maybe Trump had just gotten the Republican nomination. I don't know. It was something like that. And uh, he said something like, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump. He tells the truth. And I was like, oh, oh wow, that guy is popular for some reason. Yeah. He's popular. I, and, and I remember people i knew saying oh there's no way donald trump's gonna win such and such a many states or whatever i was like he's gonna win tennessee if anything the truth telling the truth can be dangerous business honest mm-hmm. and popular don't go hand in hand mm-hmm. if you admit that you can play the accordion <laughs> no one will hire you in a rock and roll band ah ishtar ishtar baby that's gonna be a recommend mm-hmm. one of these days if the show goes long enough i'm <laughs> I don't think it still is, but for a time it was like the the classic example of a flop, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> it was it was always the go-to. They, that's it. so much so that when Waterworld came out, they called it Fish Tar. Just another one of those, yeah, it's just another one of those examples of why you should never film on the water. Yeah, don't why do that? Why? And so the same the same year Cutthroat Island had the same issues. Yes. Cutthroat Island was you know had a lot of production issues because of filming on the water and everything yeah. that movie looks gorgeous cutthroat island mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. rennie harlan knows what to do with the camera but that <laughs> the, the guts of that movie are crap we got to interview rennie harlan that was a pretty awesome interview in uh a couple years ago it was or was it last year i can't remember i think it was last year uh but uh interviewing rennie harlan and we we were we were doing a movie i can't remember the movie he was coming out with it had pierce brosnan in it and uh there's the scene where there's just it's like this multi-level big camera swooping image of all these prisoners vomiting in this huge prison and i was like i don't know if i like this scene but 
Rennie Harlan really loves making movies. You can tell that he loves it. Yep. And so there was a point where I asked him, I was like, you really love making movies, don't you? <laughs> like, you really do. Like, I can tell. Like, I was talking about this vomiting scene that's in this movie. And he's like, oh, yes, I love making. And he's one of these guys who's just like, he's making a movie. He's got another one in production and he's editing another one. Yeah. You know, he's one of those kind of guys. And uh, I fully respect that. Oh, yeah. That dude's, I like that dude. I don't want any mm -hmm. bad skeletons to come out of that guy's <laughs> And he was married to Gina Davis at one time. Yeah. Well, probably Gina even Davis. when they made Cutthroat Island. <clears throat> I think so. He also make um, Long Kiss Goodnight. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. He did? Yeah. Which is a, a prime big recommend type movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Long Kiss Goodnight. That movie, man. I felt like, I felt like the only person in the world when I discovered that movie in the video store. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like nobody had ever heard of this movie before I watched it. You know? <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case, but it was like, this, this is awesome. What? Yeah, I was working in a theater that had it, so I saw it. And, oh wow! Um, and uh, and I remember thinking it was all right, but I didn't. You know, it's one of those. It's one of those movies you see at midnight, and you're just and by yeah, two o'clock in the morning. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, that was, that was all right. I guess that's fine. And then you watch it later, and you're like, oh, there were a lot of good other good things in this too. <laughs> I love that line. That uh, fuck the old guy has about the dog licking its ass where he's like i submit that whatever he's after is either already gone or there to stay <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> who is that brian oh, who was that old guy it's brian didn't he no it's the guy that's on succession um oh brian cox brian cox yeah <clears throat> yeah <laughs> No, not Brian fucking Dennehy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Brian Boitano. <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.